Greetings, everybody, and welcome back to episode 9 of Extreme EvoCast, an all-purpose Pokemon podcast where we talk about news, trivia, and everything related to Pokemon. Uh, for those of you listening on the day of release, which is June 27th, uh, I'm sorry about having it be a day late. I hope it's not too burning to you. Uh, the reason why it was a day late is because um, my because I'm living at home with my parents uh, over the summer while I'm not at college, I only have the opportunity to record when they're either not here or uh, they're asleep, which is what I'm doing right now. So uh, the next few episodes and the episodes prior, I might sound a little more tired <laughs> than I normally am because I am recording these at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. Um, and I couldn't do it last night because they decided to stay up super late. And by the time they were went to bed, I was already super tired and I didn't feel like, uh, you know, doing it. Just the reason why I don't want to record while they're awake or while they're here is just because, uh, for personal preference, I prefer recording these types of things when I'm 100% alone, uh, you know, given that somebody else is with me or if, if somebody else is with me, they'd have to be recording with me. But of course that's not the case. So I prefer to have complete, you know, an utter, uh, alone time when I record these episodes or when I record anything really, uh, just for personal preference. I don't like really talking out loud when people can hear me even if it's just like in the other room because like i don't know i get anxiety about that kind of stuff i don't know uh but yeah so sorry i had to delay the episode uh that might happen a few times over the course of when i'm home for the summer just because uh you know their bedtimes whenever they feel like going to bed might be a little varied i don't mind recording late at night but last night was just i was just so tired and i did not feel i still had to like write the script not the script I still had to write like the guideline and stuff for it. I had to take notes and stuff. And I really just didn't feel like, uh, I really didn't feel like doing that uh, last night. So I'm like, you know, I'll just delay it until tomorrow. I'm sure people won't mind all that much. And uh, before we get started here, I just want to say, I'm not sure how long this episode will be. If it's a little bit shorter than usual, I apologize. Um, of course last, you know, for the last two episodes I've been preaching like, oh, don't worry. Next episodes will be longer. Um, I wasn't sure about that, about them being longer. I just knew that they could be longer because of the, because the, uh, you know, the time, the amount of hours that I can, that I can upload are fixed now. Everything's all good. They're back in order. They're back in, you know, the, the right, uh, time span, I suppose. And I am able to upload an hour and a half, uh, every, every, every time. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'll have enough content to talk about. I just meant that they can be longer because we're back on track. Um, so this episode, just because of the fact that I don't have a lot to talk about, uh, this episode might be shorter. I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see. Um, you know, obviously you listening to this, you know exactly how long it is, but we'll just see how long it can talk for. And the reason why this episode is going to be so short potentially is because we just have nothing to talk about. There's no news. Nothing has happened. (laughs) Uh, you know, normally I go through either the day of or the night before when I record an episode, I go through the Pokemon Twitter, I go through Cerebi, I go through, you know, the Pokemon Go Twitter, I go through my Twitter feed on Extreme EvoCast Twitter, um, and I look through news and stuff. And of course, if I see something, I'll write it down, I'll write out, you know, I'll write it down on my, my note sheet. Uh, most of the, most of my stuff comes from the day of or the night before I record an episode, just because, you know, I want to wait for potentially more news you know i don't if something big happens on the day that i record evocast i want i don't want to have to wait until next the very next episode um to talk about it because i just didn't see it you know what i mean uh so i I want to get my my data not my data my my information the news that i at least the news that i talk about like the day of or even the day before if i know nothing's gonna happen um but i went through it today earlier today or a little bit last night, and there's just nothing. There's nothing going on. <laughs> but after E3, after the Direct, everything just kind of slowed down. Uh, literally, the only news that I have right now is uh, the Community Day for July 2019. July 21st is Mudkip, which is fun. Uh, we don't know the move, of course, as they usually do, you know, before they, like a month before they release a Community Day. But, of course, the Pokemon of the of the Community Day is going to be Mudkip. You can get a shiny Mudkip. And that's pretty much all we know, akin to the other community days. Uh, one more Pokemon Go news for the day is Kyogre Razorback. 
Yep, that's it. <laughs> that's all I got for you. That's literally all of the news that I have for today is Mudkip and Kyogre. Just Pokemon Go things. There's there's little things that I could talk about, but if I'm going to have a short news, I'm going to have a short news. Um, like there's some new Pokemon Duel stuff. There's some new stuff related to Pokemon Masters that was released. You can go check that out if you want to um, on Cerebi or Twitter uh, where it's pretty easy to find, but I didn't really feel like listing out things that would take me 10 seconds to talk about if there's nothing else to talk about. One thing that I do want to talk about, though, before we get into our main topic of today, is the the hashtag bring back national decks, or whatever the hashtag is on Twitter. Um, I am going to give my opinions on it. I don't normally go into controversy and drama and stuff like this that's related to these types of things, but if you don't know already, uh, it has been revealed that uh, Pokemon is taking away the national decks from Sword and Shield. And you can only get a certain list of Pokemon from the Galar region Pokedex, and that's it. You can't transfer the Pokemon into the game. Uh, You can't catch any of the national decks Pokemon. You you literally cannot access them in the game. And of course, people are going to be upset about this. Um, I'm upset about it. Uh, I'm not extremely upset. I mean, it is what it is. If it gets changed, it gets changed. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to riot about it. I'm not going to freak out. It's unfortunate. Yeah, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to freak out about it. And uh, real quick, for the people who haven't uh, figured it out or who haven't looked it up already, I'm actually going to go through uh, very, very quickly and list through all of the Pokemon that are in the Gather Pokedex. I like doing this type of thing. I know it's a little bit tedious at times or it's a little bit tedious to listen to, I guess. Um, but I like that sort of I like that sort of thing on this podcast. I like going in deep and really talking about the details about things. So, uh, akin to the detail, I'm actually going to go through and list every single Pokemon that's in the Galar Region Pokedex right now. Um, so these, if you want to skip it, you can skip like two or three minutes ahead. I'm not sure how long it's going to take me. There's not that many Pokemon, um, but um, there's only a limited amount of Pokemon in the decks and. That uh, those Pokemon are Kuki, Scorbunny, and Sobble, and obviously I assume their evolutions: um, Corviknight, Eldegoss, Gossifleur, Wooloo, Dreadnought, Yamper, Impidimp, all the the new Pokemon we saw, um, as well as Zacian and Zamazenta. Um, but there's Charmander, Charmeleon, Charizard, Caterpie, Metapod, Butterfree, Pichu, Pikachu, Raichu, Cleffa, Clefairy, Clefable, Vulpix, Ninetales, Diglett, Dugtrio, Growlithe, Arcanine, Machop, Machop. Machoke, Machamp, Ghastly Hunter, Gengar, Onyx, Steelix, Rhyhorn, Rhydon, Rhyperior, Goldeen, and Sea King, Magikarp, Gyarados, Eevee, Vaporeon, Jolteon, Flareon, Espeon, Umbreon, Leafeon, Glaceon, Sylveon, Munchlax and Snorlax, Hoot Hoot and Noctowl, Chinchow and Lantern, Togepi and Togetic, Togekiss, Wooper, Quagsire, Why Not and Wobbuffet, Sneasel and Weavile, Mantike and Mantine, Larvitar and Pupitar, Tyranitar, <laughs> Lotad, Lambre, Ludicolo, Wingle, Pelipper, Ralts, Curlia, Ralts, Curlia, and Gardevoir, Electric, Manetric, Badoo, Roselia, and Roserade, Wilmer and Waylord, Trapinch and Vibrava, Flygon, Feebas, Feebas, and Milotic. Very weird uh, pacing I have here. Sorry, it's more difficult than you think. Duskolt, Dusclops, and Dusknoir, Snorunt, and Glalie, and Frostlass, Combi, and Vespaquin, Drifloom, and Drifblim, Bronzor, and Bronzong, Riolu, and Lucario. Hippopotas and Hippodon, Snowver and Obama Snow, Rock and Rolla, Boldor and Gigalith, Timpor, Palpatode and Seismitoad, Sock, No Throw, I guess, Trubbish, Garboder, Mencino, Cincino, Vanillite, Vanillish and Vanillux, Frillish and Jellicent, Joltic, Galvantula and Ax- uh, Gulf- Joltic and Galvantula, Axew, Fracture and Haxorus, Golit and Golurk, Rufflet and Braviary, Dino, Zwaylis and Hydreigon, uh, Bunnelbane and Diggersby, Pancham and Pangoro, Esper, Mastic, Swirlix, Slurpuff, Inkay, Malamar, Haluka, Gumislagu and Gudra, Bergmite and Avalug, Noibat and Noivern, Grubbin, Chargebug and Vikavolt, Wishawashi, Mudbray, Mudsdale, Stuffle and Beware, Bounceweet, Steeny, Serena, Wimpod, Golosipod, Mimikyu, Zacian, Zamazenta, and Mew. Um, so. That was it. That was everything. That was about three minutes. Um, 
so, uh, so I I didn't actually expect to talk about this because I didn't actually look through this list beforehand. I I, I like I just thought about it just now, <laughs> um, taking a look taking a look through all the Pokemon and talking about them here. But now I want to talk about the Pokemon that are in this. So first thing I want to say. Just Charmander, Charmeleon, and Charizard, huh? No Squirtle, War Turtle, and Blastoise, I see. Uh, very interesting. Caterpie, Metapod, and Butterfree, but no Weedle in line? Like, what? Hello? Um, I mean, I like the Vulpix, Ninetales, like the Vulpix line and the Growlithe line being there. Probably going to be version exclusives. I like the Macha I like all of the evolution lines. Uh, the trade evolution lines from Gen 1. No Abra line, I suppose. Um, all of the evolutions, which I'm happy that I can use a Glaceon on my team. You know, of course I will. Um, not that many Johto Pokemon. <clears throat> like, there's only... Hoot Hoot, Hoot Chinchow, Togepi Line, Hooper Line, Why Not Line. But if Why Not's not even Gen 2, Wobbuffet, I mean. Um, Sneasel, Mantike, and Larvitar. That's it. There's like... 10 Johto lines in, in, in the Galar decks. Um, there's quite a lot of Hoenn, which I'm happy to see. Um, nothing else really that I came in. Like, th there's a big skip because it goes from Dusclops, which is like, you know, pretty far towards the end of the Hoenn decks, and then it goes right to Combi. No, like, Bidoof. No. Starly, you know, no like early Sinnoh Pokemon, like just Combi, and then Drifloom, and then Bronzor. Real Loon Lucario is fun, um, and then it goes right from Snover and Obama Snow immediately to Rog and Rolla, from Gen Four to Gen Five. That, like I said before, Sock and No Throw. Why would you put Sock? At, what? Hello? This has to be. This has to change, right? Like. This has to change. Like, I'm happy that Trubbish and Garbodor are getting love. I'm already I'm already planning out my Sword and Shield team. Like, I might actually use a Garbodor. <laughs> um, but like, Jol like Joltik, you know, is cool. Um, I like the Dino line being in. And then again, like we jump right from Dino to Bunnelby. And like, I mean, I guess no, that's pretty, that's pretty good. Like, there's not that many Pokemon in between then, because like you can you can tell that they're they're going by in order of the original Pokedex. Like their po national Pokedex numbers, they're just adding them in. They they're in order of national Pokedex numbers because it went from it goes from like Gen One to Gen Two to Gen Three. Um, okay, you can find this on Serbi, by the way. I haven't said this yet. Serbi dot slash Sword Shield slash Gallard Pokedex. Um, but Bergmite and uh, Avalog is cool. Not a not a lot of Pokemon, not you know, not two Pokemon that you see very often. I'm glad that they're getting a lot of love. Um, goes immediately from Noivern to Grubbin. Noivern's pretty late in the in the Kalos decks. Never mind. Not a lot of Kalos Pokemon. There's two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Sorry, not Kalos. There's fifteen Sun and Moon Pokemon. <laughs> One of them is Mimikyu, which I'm happy about, and I like that the uh, Bounce Sweet line got in, but, like, it's weird. Like, Wishy-Washy? Like, I like Wishy-Washy, but why Wishy-Washy? <laughs> why not, like, Togedemaru or, like, Pokemon that actually, you know, like, Pokemon that, that make a... that are more popular, I guess. I mean, like, I like the fact that they're adding unpopular Pokemon, like Bergmite and Avalug, like Swirlix and Slurpuff. Again, Swirlix and Slurpuff... But no, um, no, like, Aromatisse. And whatever its other, whatever its other line is, line is, I can't remember off the top of my head. Like, they're adding Pokemon, and then they're not adding, like, the, the other Pokemon that are supposed to go with them. You know what I mean? Like, they're adding a lot of pseudo-legendaries, which I appreciate. Those are probably for, like, for balance reasons, like, putting pseudo-legendaries on, like, Elite Four teams and stuff. And, like, gym leader teams and all that, like... You know, Pokemon like, uh, like Gudra, Hydreigon, Haxorus, you know what I mean? Like, all those, like, like, Flygon, you know, I know Flygon's not necessarily a pseudo-legendary, but, like, still, um, it's just, it's just, it's just interesting to me. 
Like, why Mantike? I'm sorry. Like, I love Mantike, but, like, why Mantike and Mantine? There's so many other Pokemon they could have put. Like, I'm trying my hardest not to complain because I trust the Pokemon team. I really, really do. Uh, and I want, I want me to be right in saying that this will be good, this will be better. Not necessarily better than what we had, but it won't be as bad as people think it is. But, like, the fact that they added the first gen starters of Charmander, the Charmander line, and then literally no other starters from any other game. Like, just Charmander. Just the Charmander line. That's it. It's the only starters in the game. Except for the, the, you know, the Galar line. But, like, I mean, like, obvious, obviously there's going to be more... There's going to be more Galar Pokemon. You know what I mean? That, and that's my biggest thing. There's going to be a lot of Galar Pokemon. It's going to be like Kalos, X and Y, where there was all there was like 60 or 70 new Pokemon. and Even in, in Sun and Moon, too. I mean, Sun and Moon less so because uh, they didn't add that feature until Ultra Sun and Moon. There weren't a lot of Pokemon that, that weren't um, Sun and Moon or, you know, um, Alola Pokemon. But it seems like they're going with the same method as, like, X and Y, where there's going to be a lot of new Galar Pokemon and then, like, a few of the of the other region Pokemon sprinkled in, which, I'm, which I like, but I don't like the fact that they're limiting it to just that. There's no National Pokedex. And, like... Okay, so... My biggest gripe, and it's something that I saw somebody say the other day on Twitter that I'm, that I'm most upset about, is because competitive Pokemon battling whether it be you know uh smogon based or um you know any other any other competitive form it's going to be so limited because you know 80 percent of the pokemon in the game aren't aren't there you can't use them in the new games on the switch and like are we really going to have to still be using the 3ds for competitive pokemon battling or pokemon showdown i I want them to make the leap from to have Pokemon competitive battling be on the Switch. That would be so good. Nintendo Switch Online, you know, they could get a lot of uses out of that with people, how much people competitive battle online. Um, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many opportunities that they're not taking, and it's it's if they're gonna be limiting competitive battling in their community, they're gonna be limiting a lot of the community. Um, a lot of people might not even get the game because of that. Like, I've actually seen some people say that they're not going to be getting uh, Sword and Shield because of the fact that you can't get every Pokemon because they wanted to play, you know, they wanted a competitive battle Pokemon. Um, there's a lot of things I could say, and basically, the, the big thing that I'm trying to get out of this is I'm trusting in the Pokemon team to either do something about this or maybe it's not as bad as we think it's going to be. <laughs> and that's what I'm hoping on. And I, I hope I'm right. I really, really hope I'm right. Um, I'm a little worried, I have to say, but like, I trust in, I trust in Game Freak is what I'm trying to say. Um, and just before I, before I end this little uh, to topic here, this isn't what I wanted to talk about for today, but uh, I did want to say that the people, again, I don't usually talk about drama and controversy like this, but... Um, I think that people should really stop um, putting hashtag bring back national bring back national decks or whatever um, you know whatever the hashtag is I'm not sure on like spamming it on the Pokemon tweets uh, like you know posting your own tweets about it is fine but spamming it in the things that Pokemon tweets is not helping anybody um, they probably I mean I assume by now they know that the problem exists and hopefully they're trying to do something about it or you know, but the, I guarantee you they know the problem exists, but so like it's a little overkill at this point, And I think that people should cut it back a little bit because it just kind of, it kind of makes the community look a little bit, you know, I was going to say desperate, but that's not the right word. I don't want to delve into this, but you know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say? Just, it, it it's not very healthy for the community to be doing something like that. Uh, I'm, you know, again, I'm not really the preacher for the community. Of course I'm not. I'm I could never be but like you know what I mean it's I've seen people complain about people doing this and I have to agree with them is what I'm trying to say now uh we can go on to our main topic of the day getting away from a more negative topic uh, I wanted to talk about something that I recently had experience with in my uh randomizer Nuzlocke for Pokemon Platinum that I was playing on stream uh, which I'm 
currently not really up to date on, but uh, you know, <laughs> I'll get back to it. Um, but I want to talk about the underground, um, in Pokemon Platinum and Diamond and Pearl in the Sinnoh region games. Um, so if you don't know, if you don't know what the underground is, um, it was a mechanic in Pokemon Diamond and Pearl Platinum, uh, where there was an area underneath the entire region where you could walk around there was paths there was it was a basically like a big grid but there was like designs and stuff um i'm using the bulbapedia page for the underground to explain everything i'm going to be doing a lot of reading off the wiki today if that's okay with you guys um but i hope you don't mind it's just a lot easier to explain things when the descriptions for them are right in front of me and i can just read off of them and try instead of trying to put them into my own words uh, but of course, I'm going to put a little bit of a personal spin on this. I just want it. It's it's easier to to comprehend things when they're right in front of me. But it was an area where you could find things underground, find items and stuff underground um, to to help your your experience in the game. And it was also it was also an online connectivity thing. Um, you could get it from the Underground Man in Eterna City, which was uh, after or before you beat the um, before you beat the second gym. So pretty early in the game, your Pokemon at this point, I think we're around like 20 um, or, you know, somewhere maybe like uh, 16, 17, something like that. But that's really it uh, for the main kind of basis of this mechanic. Um, so I, I want to read, I want to talk first about uh, why it's important to me and my experiences with it. Um, I'll go back to it a little bit later, but I just want to say, I like, I I had some friends who played Pokemon. We never really did the underground all that much. Um, me and my friends, when we played Pokemon, we focused more on trying to complete the decks, which we never did. <laughs> we always got bored eventually and never actually did it. But hey, you know, there was an attempt. Um, we, we never really did the underground all that much, but the reason why I enjoy the underground so much now is because I think it's a really good game mechanic. Of course, my thought process when I was a kid wasn't, oh, this is a great game mechanic. It was like, oh, this is cool and fun and we'll ha <laughs> I can have fun with my friends doing this thing. Um, th there's a big single player aspect to it, but it's mostly in the online is what they what they meant it to be because it's a good way to get items and things, but you could do a lot of stuff online. And I'm going to go through and talk about things you could do in the underground um so one thing i really enjoyed about this about this mechanic is that there's never been there's never been anything else like it um you know there was you know there, there's nothing there's nothing else like it in pokemon games the closest thing to it is the islands in uh, sun and moon where you could you know send your pokemon out do stuff go dig for treasure uh, and even then, it wasn't really interactable that much. You couldn't do it, like, you couldn't do it yourself. You just made your Pokemon do it and stuff. I mean, the closest thing to that is collecting the, the beans and, and the main island, you know. But, like, that's that's the closest thing to it. And even then, it's a stretch. Uh, I had a hard time thinking about something that was similar enough to it. Um, but really, it's, you know, it, it's very, very unique when it comes to Pokemon standards, and I, I appreciate that. I like that a lot. It's, 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 it's nice. Um, like I said, more of a game mechanic type thing. Um, so you could dig around for spheres. Um, spheres are just like crystals that you can, that you can get. There's a bunch of different colors. I'll go through when I go through the items and stuff later. This is just kind of a general overview, but you could, if you've never played this, of course, or if you have played Diamond and Pearl, you probably know what this is. But if you haven't and you ever heard of it, well, I'm explaining it to you now. Um, you could do things like grow them. You could do things like find items. You could find fossils. You can find items that help you. You can make a secret base. This is akin to the secret bases like in uh, Ruby and Sapphire. It's a lot like that. That's probably the closest thing to that mechanic. I mean, they're pretty much the same exact thing. Um... There's like a capture the flag mechanic, which I'll go through in a little bit, but it's just fun. It's good. It it's good, and I wish they would do more stuff like this. Now, I like I almost wish that Sword and Shield had something like this, where you could find people online, just kind of what. It, it, it's also a little bit like the um, the Festival Plaza, I suppose. The Festival Plaza is a little bit less so um, like this, but it's something, I guess. 
Um, the Festival Plaza, again, is probably one of the closest things to it, but there's nothing else like it. Uh, you can, you know, you can get, you can get items, you can get all kinds of things. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to read off, just read off the big first few paragraphs of the Wikipedia page. It says, the underground is an area in Pokemon Diamond Pearl Platinum found beneath this entire Sinnoh region. Players can travel underground at any time using an Explorer Kit, which they can receive from the underground man in Eterna City. The underground features multiple uses of the DS's touchscreen, as the main view is as as the main view is on the lower screen, lower touch sensitive screen, while the upper screen shows a radar map of the entire underground, which is uh, different from the yeah I, I I forgot to mention this when you go into the underground I always really appreciated how your character literally falls into the un, the bottom screen where you could like touch the screen and do all the kind of stuff I like it's really creative and it's kind of a like, if they didn't do this, you'd be like, why didn't they do this? If they made it be on the top screen, like, just fall onto the bottom screen, you know? Um, but it's a really creative thing of doing it. Um, let's see. It also uses, utilizes the DS wireless communication. RIP, not a thing anymore. Or the DS online thing isn't a thing anymore. Uh, but I think you can still do wireless, maybe. I'm not sure. Oh, no, never mind. The underground is dead. I just remembered. <laughs> yeah, you can't do this anymore, which is... It, it almost makes it like a relic itself. You know, you find relics in the underground and the underground itself is kind of a relic. Uh, I don't, you can't connect with people anymore. Um, but of course, this is why I'm here to talk about it. I'm here to bring back the relic and discuss the ever so lost underground in Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. Um, the underground has a different menu from one in the overworld. Mostly it shows the different items used with an exception of treasures, which can be transferred to the player's bag. Uh, and here's information about the spheres. It says, spheres are the currency of the underground. The player can bury their spheres to make them more valuable, either by leaving a sphere buried for a long time to make it grow, or by burying spheres of the same color in the same spot to merge them into a larger sphere. When spheres are buried in the same spot, their size are mixed together. When two or more spheres are buried on top of each other, the largest sphere is added to the smallest spheres, divided by five, rounded down plus one. <laughs> Spheres can reach a maximum of 99, and some grow faster than others. Blue, green, and red spheres grow the fastest, and thus are the least valuable. Pale spheres are the second fastest growing spheres, and are semi-valuable. Prism spheres are the slowest growing spheres, and are thereby the most valuable of the sphere types. Buying spheres can increase the number and density of mining sparkles in the same vicinity. So, it was almost like a farming thing, and I actually didn't know about this when I was a kid. Uh, I, I did not dabble into the sphere mechanic at all. I just wanted to dig for cool, cool stuff, you know, and like steal my friend's flag. Uh, I never did this. I never did anything with the spheres. I never bought things from the people and I kind of regret it. Like I said, I never really used it with my friends all that much, but there was a lot of things you could do. I never did any of this stuff. I just wanted to dig. <laughs> um, and so it says, uh, features. So, uh, you can dig in the wall um, in the underground, essentially, and mine. Um, you, it says, one of the main attractions of the underground is the mining minigame. To mine, the players must first find a spot where the wall pings by touching the screen and looking for sparkles. These spots will appear randomly in the underground, usually in clusters, and can be located by looking for sparkles marked on the radar screen. They apparently move more frequently near buried spheres, so no, and so one way players can ensure okay sorry i totally messed up that sentence and so one way players can ensure they always have a lot of mining spots available to them is by making a sphere garden by burying many spheres in the same area the game itself is similar to battleship or minesweeper at the start the cave wall is shown represented by a grid full of squares there's three depths to the wall tan soil which can be broken in one hit darker soil which needs two hits to be broken and large rocks which each need three hits to be broken the player digs into the wall with a pick, which chips away small areas of rock, and a hammer, which breaks the large areas large areas of rock. Each spot will hide one to four items, including spheres, fossils, revives, heart scales, shards, pre-generation five evolutionary stones, plates, no, sorry, pre-generation six evolutionary stones, plates, and a few health items. Iron pieces are also in the wall and cannot be dug out and prevent further mining until, until upon discovery, that is, when they are recovered by a direct hit, no other spaces are revealed until the next hit. Upon hitting a piece of iron, a small ping will be heard. Each hit will bring the wall closer to collapsing. 
If the wall collapses before everything is dug up, the game ends, and the player is rewarded with what they dug before the wall collapsed. Spheres the player have mined are stored separately from other items. Up to 40 sets of spheres and 40 treasures can be carried by the player. In order to acquire more, he or she has to make a room in the underground's bag, for example, by burying spheres or by sending the treasures to the bag in the overworld. I know that was a lot to take in, but uh, yeah, they said it They said it perfectly. Essentially, it's like Battleship and Minesweeper. This is my favorite part of the underground. The mining is so much fun. I loved doing that. I literally just did this all day as a kid. Oh my god, I love I don't know why I loved it so much. Just the fact that you could like find cool stuff was I wanted to get all the plates. I wanted to get, I wanted to get everything. It was so cool. <laughs> I have to say it, literally the only thing I ever did in the underground was this. Um, so it says, uh, so you could, so the uh, cool thing about the underground is you could also find fossils in the underground, which was like really cool because fossils up until generation six were one time things, you know, gen one, two, and three, you can only get one per save file. But in this way you could get, uh, as many as you want after completing the National Pokedex. You could get all of the fossils from the past games. Um, so it says, At first, only skull fossils or armor fossils can be found depending on the game version. Yeah, you could also get... Uh, you could also get as many of the skull fossil or armor fossil for Cranidos and Shieldon, uh, but only if you... Only one. You could get as many as you want, but only of one. Uh, and it's dependent on the game version in Diamond and Pearl, or in Platinum, it's the last digit of the trainer ID number. I believe Skull Fossils are in Diamond and Pearl is Armor Fossils. Don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% sure. Um, after obtaining the National Pokedex, however, the game will also yield Helix Fossil, Dome Fossil, Old Ambers, Root Fossils, and Cloud Fossils. I said all of the fossils, but like five, you know, all the ones from the past games, which is only Generation 1 and 3. Um... A number of items that were found rarely prior to attaining the National Pokedex are now found more easily now, such as the Evolutionary Stones. So after you complete the National Pokedex, you get all the fossils and also uh, things that are more things that are more common. Uh, there also is some version exclusive akin akin to p version exclusive Pokemon in the games. Uh, the version exclusive things you could find in Diamond and Pearl and Platinum, um, everything is available. Like in Diamond and Pearl. There's exclusives to each game, uh, and akin to the fossils in Platinum version, your ID is used to determine which set of treasure is more common. So it's not like it, everything is available; it's just some things will be more common than not. Um, in Diamond, you could find you can find water stones, leaf stones, moon stones, damp rocks, smooth rocks, and dome fossils and root fossils. So, sorry, that was Pearl. <laughs> I read it wrong. So that was Pearl, and in Diamond, Firestones, Thunderstones, Sunstones, Heat Rocks, and Icy Rocks, Helix Fossils, and Claw Fossils can be found more, more easily in Diamond. Now is time for everybody's favorite segment, Random Pokemon of the Week. Uh, I promise you 100% that I did not choose this. I had this idea for this episode a few days ago. And I did the random Pokemon of the week, random number generator, today, to decide what Pokemon I wanted to talk about. And, excuse my language, but I shit you not, I got Spiritomb. And you're probably wondering, oh, Spiritomb, huh? What does that have to do with the underground? So, if you don't, if you didn't know, in Diamond and Pearl, uh, the only way that you could get Spiritomb was... To go to the hollowed tower on Route 209 and take a odd keystone, put it in, and then go to the underground. This is why I'm like, I didn't choose this one. And talk to other players a total of 32 times. Uh, this can be the same player 32 times. It can be 32 different people. It can be a mix of both. Um, obviously, this no longer works. Um... I think, if I remember correctly, I don't think this works anymore. I don't even think you can get Spiritomb in the game anymore. I might be wrong. Uh, I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> um, but the reason why I was like, oh, you know, like, wow. Um, I got this Pokemon when I'm doing the episode on the Underground is because of the fact that you need to go to the Underground to actually 
get Spiritome. Uh, before we talk about Spiritome, I did want to say a little bit of a cool thing is that actually it, uh, it, the, the, uh, the hollow tower, the text that it says to you when you interact with it changes with how many people you've talked about or talked to, talked about, uh, talked to in the underground. So from zero to seven, it says it appears to have built, been built many years ago. That's just the base one from eight to 14. It says its stones appear to have shifted. 15 to 21 says, is that a cry coming from inside the tower? 22 to 28, is the tower shaking ever so slightly? 29 to 31, there's some sort of presence. It appears ready to emerge. And then 32 plus is, yalla, <laughs> which is the sound Spirit Tomb makes, apparently. Um, but yeah, that's how you get Spirit Tomb. Anyway, let's talk about Spirit Tomb. Uh, Spirit Tomb is number 442. In the National Pokedex. It is a ghost dark Pokemon introduced in Generation 4. It doesn't evolve into anything else. Uh, it is the forbidden Pokemon. It is not known to evolve into, for, into or from any other Pokemon. Its abilities are Pressure and Infiltrator as its hidden ability. It's three feet tall and weighs 238 pounds, probably because of its giant stone that it's attached to. <laughs> I mean, it is a ghost, but you know. Um, some interesting trivia about Spiritomb is that, oh yeah, uh, in Pokemon Go, there was a, there was a thing that you could do. They released like a research thing where you had to give, um, you had to catch 108 Pokemon and you had to feed 108 berries, uh, to Pokemon and, um, and then you would find Spiritomb at the end of the at the at the research thing, and in Diamond and Pearl or Diamond Heart Gold and Soul Silver, it says that it was formed from 108 spirits, uh, as well as other references to the number 108. Its number in Sinnoh in the Sinnoh Pokedex is 108. Its defense and special defense are 108. It weighs exactly 108 kilograms. <laughs> uh, in Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, it can be found at Sea Mawville, which lies on Route 108 in Pokemon Go. I already said that one. <laughs> um, and actually something I did want to talk about, Spiritomb and um, Sableye were the only ghost dark type Pokemon. And I believe they might actually be the only ghost type Pokemon to date. Um, but they, because of their typing, ghost dark, and because the only weakness to ghost is uh, ghost and dark, and you know, uh, uh, and if you use a ghost type move on Spiritomb, the dark type would make it neutral. And if you use a dark type move, the dark type would also make it uh, not very effective or it, it would make it neutral with the two types together. So Sableye and Spiritomb were the only Pokemon in the game before, uh, before fairy type was released before generation six to not have any weaknesses. So if you gave it the ability Wonder Guard, which, you know, prevents any moves that aren't just, uh, super effective, it would be completely invincible, technically. Uh, immune to direct damage. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you could still, like, toxic it or burn it, or, you know, whatever. It could still die to those things, but it, it would be immune to taking damage. Um, anyway, let's go to... Um, it's shiny form, which I gotta say, I gotta say, it is great. <laughs> it is a really good shiny. The purple turns a bright, like, cyan color, and the green spots turn purple. It is a really, really good, it is a really good shiny. It is so good. I gotta say, I love, um, I actually love this, this, this shiny. It's so very good. A few more things that I want to say about Spirit Doom before I go is its cry. Its cry is, oh my god, one of the best cries in the entire game. I will actually play the cry for you right now. <laughs> if you haven't heard Spirit Doom's cry before, it is awesome. It is one of the, the coolest uh, cries ever. I know I could edit it in and post, but I actually want to play it for you right now. Are you ready for this? Listen to this. Listen, I'm going to play right up to the mic. I hope this isn't too loud. We'll see. Give this a listen. How's that? <laughs> that is an awesome cry. If I had to list some of my favorite cries, which I might do in the future, that is going to be 
high up there. Seriously, very, very high. I love that cry. One of the coolest. One of the very cool. Like, th- cries aren't what they used to be, man. I love Spiritomb's cry. When I first heard it, I was in love with this Pokemon. I'm still in love with this Pokemon. This is one of my favorite Pokemon. Spiritomb is so cool. You never see it ever <laughs> it's barely used competitively it's never talked about because of how how niche it was in terms of getting it and how it's just a one type one-time use pokemon not one-time use like a one just you know for no evolutions no pre-evolutions one way of getting it's kind of a gimmick but like this is such a cool pokemon dude i adore this pokemon like you won't hear me say this very much on, on random Pokemon of the week. Go off on a tangent about how much I love a Pokemon. I love this Pokemon. Spiritomb needs more attention. I, ah, I could go on forever. I might, I, I might even make an entire episode about how much I love Spiritomb. I'm not even kidding. I love this Pokemon. Its design, its cry, its method of, of obtaining is unique. It's interesting. It's fun. It requires you to learn uh, the ways of online. It can happen passively. You could put the keystone in and then not know what it is and then go talk to like 15 people. Go back, check on the check on the thing. It'll say like a new message. You're like, oh, I wonder if it has to do with how many people I've talked to. Maybe. And then you go talk to more people and then you find Spiritomb and it's a kid that would that would blow my mind. I'd be like, oh my God, this is so cool. Or like you find like a cool thing, you know? Like that's so cool. More Pokemon need to be like Spiritomb in terms of design, cry i know i already talked about that but like and ex- the ways of getting it like i know spiritomb isn't a mythical pokemon but it feels like it and i know it wasn't an event because you can do it every time and it's it doesn't require you to do anything any extra things like go on oh it does require you to go online but it doesn't require you to do any like events or mystery gifts or anything but it feels like a mythical pokemon and i wish that more mythical pokemon now or in the past even did and do what they did with Spiritomb. I just wish more Pokemon in general had unique ways of getting them like in, like Spiritomb. Like, A-plus in design and accessibility. Like, this Pokemon's so cool. Why does, it no- why does nobody talk about this Pokemon? It's so awesome. I love it. I seriously love it. Anyway, let's talk about Spiritomb competitively. Uh, it is in the PU tier, <laughs> which is the worst tier. Uh, unfortunately, as cool as Spiritome is, it isn't necessarily the best Pokemon in the world. Um, it has an HP of 50, an attack of 92, a defense and special defense, of course, as we read, of 108, special attack of 92, and a speed of only 35. Um, this is written by All-Star Apology. Spiritomb's good defensive typing, which gives it three useful immunities to fighting, psychic, and normal, decent bulk, and access to a fairly solid support move support move pool with moves like Will-O-Wisp, Taunt, and Calm Mind give it a great defensive presence. Spiritomb is also capable of providing useful offensive support to teams threatened by Pokemon like Mesprit, Haunter, and Oricorio G due to its access to a fairly strong Pursuit and Sucker Punch, giving its Pursuit Trapper set giving its Pursuit Trapper set a good mix of attributes. Spiritomb is also capable of acting as a bulky setup sweeper on bulkier teams because of its access to Calm Mind. However, Spiritomb's solid mixed bulk is offset by its low HP and its lack of reliable recovery in tandem with its, with its vulnerability to entry hazards only, ma- only makes it wor- wearing it down easier, which can hurt its longevity in longer matches. Calm Mind Spiritomb is forced to rely on rest for recovery, which can be taken advantage by strong attacks like Stoutland. Spiritomb's low speed also tends to leave it as more of a reliant on Sucker Punch than it would like to be, which can be capitalized on by setup sweepers such as Omastar. So, it's good at a few things, but it's not great. Um, its HP is its worst offender, it seems, with only 50 HP. That's really bad. 50 HP is not good. Um, uh, the best set for it seems to be a Pursuit Trapper, which is Pursuit, Sucker Punch, Foul Play, Slash Psychic, and uh, Will-O-Wisp, an item as a Agwav Berry, which uh, restores half HP at one-fourth HP or less. Yep. <laughs> um... It's just like a like a citrus berry or you know a healing berry, uh, or the black glasses which powers up dark type moves. 
Uh, its ability is Infiltrator, of course, because pressure is pretty useless in uh, competitive battling. Uh, nature is Adamant, which is plus attack minus special attack, uh, which is better because it is a... Um, it has it has a, um, a plus attack for both of its abilities, Adamant and Brave, because attack is more prominent in its moveset. It doesn't have a lot of uh, phys uh, special attacking um, moves, except for Psychic, which um, you would want to use with not Adamant, of course, because you don't want to minus special attack and then use a special attacking move. So you'd want to run probably a Psychic instead of Foul Play, um, Spirit Tomb with the Brave Nature to up its attack and lower its already horrible speed, which of course doesn't matter. And its EVs are 248 HP, uh, 252 attack, and 8 defense. Also, I just realized that I never uh, did a rating on its shiny. Um, 9 out of 10. <laughs> 9 out of 10. I'm giving it a solid 9 out of 10. I love it. So good. It's so good, dude. It's such a good shiny. God, I love this Pokemon. Now, off of that, uh, wow, literally 12-minute random Pokemon of the week. Um, thank you for still being here after that 12-minute talk about how much I love Spiritomb. Uh, we're going to go back to talking about the Underground for a little bit more, and then we'll go with our last segment, and then we'll end the episode. Um, so, um, all I'm going to list off all of the items that you can get in the Underground Mining. Um, so get ready for another big info dump. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. Uh, this episode is going to be kind of a mix of info dumping and a little bit of personal, uh, you know, personality, a little bit of personal experience just because it's, uh, it's so technically heavy and trivia heavy that I can't help but info dump about these things. Um, and, but also it's the kind of thing where, everybody who played it pretty much has their own um, special, you know, personal experience about the underground. So it's a little bit of a hybrid episode um, going with, with a little bit of, a, you know, not a lot of news today. Uh, it gives me the opportunity to really go in depth about this, and I, I really appreciate it. Um, thank you for listening so far. So um, all the items you can find uh, in the underground are uh, small spheres and large spheres, which come in four... Five, five, five different possibilities. Yep, there's blue, green, red, pale, which are like the pearl-looking ones, and then prism. Um, so there's ten different kinds you can find, with uh, five of the small, five of the large. Uh, heart scale, skull fossil, armor fossil, dome fossil, helix fossil, old amber, claw fossil, and root fossil. Um, all of the shards, red, yellow, green, and blue. Um, you can find um, the plates, all of the plates. Um, hard stone, heat rock, damp rock, smooth rock, and icy rock. All of the evolutionary stones, firestone, waterstone, thunderstone, leafstone, moonstone, sunstone, and oval stone. As well as an everstone, an iron ball, light clay, an odd keystone. A little bit of reference there. <laughs> a revive, a max revive, a star piece, and a rare bone. Um, there is a 20% chance for the fossils, uh, the rare bone, star piece, revive, max revive, iron ball, heart scale, light clay, odd keystone, all the evolutionary stones, all of the rocks, and all of the plates, as well as the shards, and... Uh, Hardstone. Not sure if I said that one. There's a 20% chance to find that every time you, um, uh, every time you open one up, every time you know you find a new thing. There's a 20% chance for one of these to be here, and uh, odds are, considering they take up almost a third of the uh, the list here, all of the plates have a pretty good chance of being there, which is why you find so many, and also the shards, you know. Uh, you know, obviously, after after painting the National Pokedex, I mean. Um, so, there is the aspect of secret bases, which was something that I never really did all that much. Um, there are traps that you can find um, scattered around that are randomly placed that you can disarm and pick up, or you can buy them. Um, there are... 
I'm tempted to go through the yeah I'll, I'll go through the list in one second uh, you can find secret bases you can put traps around uh, the underground for people who are online to run into <laughs> um, you can also buy um, you can also buy um, decorations for your secret base essentially that's what the whole underground is for um, there's vendors that um, are around the area that can sell you things. There's three types of vendors in the underground. There are ones who gives you who accept treasures and gives you spheres. So like you know, like stones that you find and all that stuff. You give them give them to the the vendor and then give you spheres in return. Um, there's also people. There's also vendors who accept spheres and give goods in return. And the last group who are expect accept spheres and give traps in return and vice versa. Um, Vendors change their prices and items with items they sell every day, so one vendor may not have the same item two days in a row. Vendors allow the player to decorate their secret bases and plant traps anywhere in the underground. In the map of the underground, the top page, the yellow dots are trap vendors, red dots are treasure vendors, and the blue dots are good vendors. Okay, yeah, so there's a there's a big list. There's a map at the top which shows uh, all of the list of all the vendors. That's not available in the game, but you can check that out. Uh, on the underground wiki on Bulbapedia. Thank you, Bulbapedia, for providing this information. Um, so there are four different areas, I believe. Um, it is rotationally symmetrical, the map. Actually, no, there's five. Um, there's a... Oh, yeah, so it's rotationally um, symmetrical, so there it's... It, it, there's distinct areas uh there's like a big middle area and then there's like two on on the top and the bottom and there's a very 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 small little section in the in the middle <laughs> um and the areas the uh, top right is for is uh, you get you access using the fight survival and resort areas so essentially you just pick it from your key items and you go down in that area um, top left area is Full Moon Island and New Moon Island. So the only way to get access to the top uh, left area is by going to the areas where you can find Dark Ray and, um, and Cresselia, which is interesting. Um, bottom right area is very specific. It is the South Sunny, Sunny, South Sunny Shore City. That is a tongue twister. Um, the bottom left area is... Pretty much every other area in the game. <laughs> and then the small center area is Celestic Town. Which is right smack dab in the middle. Um, okay. So I'm going to go through the list of the traps. Uh, I feel like people, some people might be interested in this. Uh, there's not many. But there's, um, there's alert traps. Which can send greetings. You can set greetings for your friends. So if you step on them they tell you a little message. Uh, there's bubble traps, control affecting traps, which reverse your controls or confuse you. Uh, digging traps, fire traps, hole traps, movement traps, which send you flying in certain directions. Uh, plant traps, rock traps, and smoke traps. And you can look at the, if you're interested in, in seeing what they all do and what you have to do for um to get yourself out of the traps is some pretty interesting ways like using the microphone tapping the screen a bunch of times it's interesting it's a good interesting way of doing it um so i'm going to talk a little bit about my experiences with the um with the with the underground uh so recently the reason why i wanted to talk about the underground is one because i didn't really have anything planned for this uh this episode and I thought, oh, you know, I'll talk about this. And because uh, in my randomizer Nuzlocke that I talked about before, that I discussed earlier, um, I went to the underground to kind of uh, cheese a little bit of a Pokemon because we were not doing very good, and I needed a Pokemon to continue. Um, you know, I needed all the help I could get, so I decided. Uh, because, of course, with the rules of the Nuzlocke, you can only catch one Pokemon in one area. But that also includes places where you can't normally get Pokemon. So getting a Pokemon by a unique ability, um, you know, a, a unique process, 
grants you a new Pokemon if you can do it in that area. So the way that I, so the pro thought process I had, uh, and I actually asked the r slash Pokemon, uh, the r slash Nuzlocke, sorry, uh, official Discord, and I know it's not like official, but I figured I wanted to get some some outside opinions. Um, I asked if it would be cheating if I went to the underground, I dug around for a fossil. And I revived it in Orbrick City, which is, um, where you revive your fossils. And technically, that counts as an, as an encounter. And because you never encountered anything else in Orbrick City. So I thought, hey, you know, I can... Uh, it technically counts as an encounter because I'm getting a Pokemon in Orbrick City. And it actually, they said it, it, was, uh, it was a legal thing. It was a thing that was allowed. People do that all the time when they do um, Diamond Pearl Platinum. Uh, so I decided to go down to the underground. I relived my childhood doing it. I haven't been there in obviously years because I haven't played Diamond Pro Platinum or had any reason to go to the underground in a long time. And it was really nice. Like I relearned the controls. I relearned how to do things. I relearned how to how to dig. Kind of, you know, I relearned kind of like the the mechanics and the quirks of the of the underground. And it, it was fun. It was like actually fun so if you're like in the middle of playing platinum or you just want to go relive i highly recommend head down to the underground for a few minutes and just dig for some stuff it's so relaxing it's there's something very nice about it it may be because it gives me a wave of nostalgia and it brings me back to the good old days when i was playing with my friends and we would go down to the underground and dig and we'd all just be sitting around the house digging in the underground somebody would be like oh i got a water stone we're like oh cool man it's like and like we're looking for fossils and you know people would like scream when they found like a dome fossil like i get kabuto for my pokedex you know like because that was the only way of getting it back then because we didn't really have access to the older games because we were poor kids um so the only way really of getting the fossil pokemon was to to complete the pokedex was to dig in the underground and that's what exactly what we did uh and that's how you can get a lot of renewable items. I like the underground because it makes so many items renewable. Uh, like the plates, like the evolutionary stones, because evolutionary stones are not easy to come by sometimes, you know? Um, and it's cool. It's nice that they're, you know, that they made these certain items renewable. It's a good way to make money, too, because if you find a star piece or a, a rare bone or a fossil that you already have, I'm pretty sure those sell for a pretty hefty price. It's it was good for when the game came out. Not so much today. I think that if they released a game, a Pokemon game like Sword and Shield, and they gave us literally exactly the underground, I think people would be kind of disappointed because of how, you know, it's it's not perfect, but it was good for back then. It was good. It was cool that you could do something like that on the DS wireless. You know what I mean? It was it was interesting, and I applaud them for that. Um. Uh, like I said, obviously it's nothing really impressive compared to what we have today with how easy it is to just like do stuff with people online, <laughs> not even necessarily in Pokemon, but just in any game. And I mean, this was like, it it was new for the time, you know, it, it was something that we've never really seen before. And that's why I like it so much. And I think that's why it, it has such a, a good place in my memory. And just because it was unique to Sinnoh, it was unique to, the, to, to, to Diamond Pro Platinum. It was just fun. I, I didn't think that... Starting starting this episode, I didn't think that I could talk about the Underground for 45 minutes, which I'm pretty sure is how long I've been talking about it. But surprisingly, it's entertaining to talk about. It's, you know, like, uh, you really should... Like I said, you really should go back and, and, and try this out. Try it out for, like, five minutes. Go see... Relive it or experience it for the first time. I know you can't really do it with your friends, but uh, you can do it by yourself. <laughs> uh, how exciting. I know, I know. Um, but yeah, anyway, just to wrap up the whole topic about the underground, um, I said this before, but great addition to Diamond Pro Platinum. Don't think it would really fly today. Mm, I, I highly doubt, 99% doubt that they would ever do something like this again, but I'm hopeful for it, I suppose. I think it would be cool if they did something akin to the, to the underground. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed me talking about the underground for 45 minutes. Maybe you've never heard of it. Maybe you've you you played a lot. You know, it's uh it varies between people, and I hope that uh, I hope you enjoyed me talking about it. So, uh, we are going to go to our last segment of the day, 
everybody's favorite. Every segment in this podcast is everybody's favorite. This is, of course, Move Tutor, where we go through a random move and talk about it. Um, I have a confession to make. I did choose this one. <laughs> I didn't. I randomly generated something. I think it was like metal sound or something. And I'm like, you know what? This isn't going to fly. If we're going to go with the theme, if we're going to talk about the underground and also get Spiritum just completely by, by, you know, by accident and by coincidence, we got to talk about something that has to do to keep it the theme. So I chose Dig uh, for this for this episode. And I could talk a while about Dig, kind of extend the time limit a little bit here um, to make for a more entertaining episode for you guys. So Dig is a damage-dealing ground-type move introduced in Generation 1. It's a Generation 1 move. Uh, everybody knows Dig. In Japanese, it's literally called Dig Hole, <laughs> which I think is really funny. Um... It was TM28 from Generation 1, Generation 6, and it is TM10 in Pokemon Go, Pokemon Let's Go, Pikachu, and Let's Go Eevee. Um, it has a PP of 10, it is a power of 80, it is a physical move, of course. So, Dig, everyone knows Dig. It's it's Dig. <laughs> um, in battle, uh, you'll dig underground, you will uh, you'll be semi-invincible for that whole turn, and then next turn you'll come up and do it. Um, let's see. So, uh, Dig was actually a 60 power move until Generation 6. They changed it to a, to an 80 power move, which is interesting. Um, you can use the power herb to have Dig be executed in one turn. Um, Pokemon can no longer be caught during Dig. Uh, Gen 6, which is interesting. Um, there's a few things uh, I'll read up on uh, weird things with Dig in Generation 1. For example, uh, if Dig is not fully executed, PP will not be deducted from it, and it will not count as the last move used. If the opponent uses Mirror Move during the turn that the user digs underground, Mirror Move will copy the move that the user executed immediately before using Dig. Full paralysis and self-inflicted damage due to confusion will disrupt Dig. Additionally, if the user is fully paralyzed during the most invulnerable turn of Dig, the semi-invulnerable part will not be reset until the user switches out or fully executes Dig. That was weird. I think that's only a Gen 1 thing. Um, you cannot avoid Bide, Swift, or Transform using Dig, at least in Generation 1. Um, in Generation 2 and 3, the user can now be hit by Earthquake, Magnitude, and Fissure during a semi-invulnerable turn, and will receive double, double damage from Earthquake and Magnitude. So you take double damage from Earthquake and Magnitude while using Dig. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Dig had a power of 100 in Generation 1, and it was changed from 100 to 60 in Generation 2. If the user is infatuated during the semi-invulnerable turn, it may fail to execute this move. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Um, and of course, if you... Uh, if you use Dig outside a battle, inside a cave, or certain buildings, including gyms, uh, the player is transported to the last Pokemon Center used. No badges required to use this move outside a battle. Um, and in Generation 7, no Dig can no longer be used outside a battle, which is sad. They removed it with the removal of all of the HM moves for, you know... Uh, with the the Pikachu and Eevee special moves in Let's Go and the the the, the riding Pokemon in uh, in Sun and Moon and Ultra Sun and Moon, so Dig. There's a lot of Pokemon that can learn Dig. Wow, this list is long. Um, a lot of Pokemon use Dig in the anime. Wowie, wowie, wowie. Uh, there's some trivia here. In Generation One, when Dig is used while standing on top of a warp tile, the spinning animation used upon using the move is the same as the warm tile animation. Thank you, Bulbapedia. Very cool for that interesting tidbit of... <laughs> that interesting tidbit of uh, trivia. That if you use it on the warp tile, it's the same animation. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, a classic. This is a classic move. If you've never heard of Dig and you've played a Pokemon game in your entire life... Something's wrong. You're playing Pokemon wrong or something. <laughs> like everybody sees Dig. It's Dig. It's such a. It's it's such a classic. It's such a. 
a you know rem, a memorable move. It's a move that everybody knows. Everybody used it. If you played Gen 1, you know about it with Diglett's Cave. It's Dig. Come on. Do I really have to say anything else? It's Dig. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's. I think that's going to be it for me today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Extreme EvoCast. Um, remember to follow the Twitter on twitter.com slash Extreme EvoCast. And also follow me on my social media if you're interested uh, in my stuff at... Uh, pretty much everything is Lilyseon, twitter.com slash Lilyseon, my YouTube is Lilyseon, my Twitch is Lilyseon, everything, uh, keeping it consistent. So, uh, I will catch you guys in the next episode, I hope you have a great and fantastic rest of your week, and I will see you. Bye! <laughs>